0: emerging from beneath the sea to destroy China once again. There's not one, not two, but three Megalodons. It's the Meg-2, colon, the Trench. Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of Monster Podcasting Airways, where two friends (laughs) try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. Now, this week, I'm joined by, not Eric, but by John with no H. He's the third shark To my two bigger sharks (laughs) Well, well, thank
1: you so much And I am very pleased to be joining the Chinese uncle I never knew I had
0: Oh, yes (laughs) Thank you, thank you Actually, you know, John, I I don't know You come up with really good ideas Maybe you're more like that inventor Or maybe you're like that double-crossing lady And you just meet your untimely device later Like, just a lot of great ideas
1: Yeah, Uh, I I think you should, yeah, you should definitely cue me up as the double crosser. And then that way, when Eric shows back up, he can like, he can like tap me on the shoulder and I'm not expecting it. And then I turn around and he,
0: uh, he like punches me off the dock and a shark me oh yeah vinegar. yeah yeah no i like this. this is a nice little arc yeah maybe we can set up a like, nice little villain arc for you for whenever eric does come back and i can have i have you surprised to jump him <laughs> on the show he just won't know you're on the on the line <laughs> ah, i like this idea <laughs> plans inside of plans all right yeah yeah we'll make you into a heel uh, by the end of this And uh, for those who don't know, John is one of the uh, executive producers for the show, and he has given us phenomenal ideas week after week, uh, including John. You did mention at one point uh, this giant animals monster series that you wanted us to do, which I am very keen on doing, but you also have a vendetta against. Let's get into this uh, deep-seated history that you have against just giant animals normal animals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I wouldn't say that I want you guys to do a giant animal series, but uh it it came up on a on a previous episode you guys mentioned. Uh, in fact, it might have been the, the the last Meg episode uh where you guys mentioned, "Oh, maybe we'll do a series about normal, like totally normal animals, or maybe we'll do a series about giant animals." And um well, when you guys threw out that idea, I couldn't help myself, so I I started curating a list of Giant animal monster movies, and I—I uh, I just uh, am a glutton for punishment. I couldn't stop myself, I guess. But uh, yeah, in in general, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of of monster movies where the monster is just a, a giant version of an animal or a giant insect. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but b- basically in my brain, I guess it, you know, it all goes back to my childhood, but, uh, (laughs) it, what giant creature did you meet? (laughs) Well, in in my, you know, when you're a kid, you're, you, you know, you're forming ideas about the way things work and, you know, you know, definitions of things. And, and for me as a kid, a, a giant monster was really like a Godzilla or a, or a Gamera, right. Um, or a King Kong, although he really skirts the line there. Um, Mm-hmm. But really, when you have a when you have a giant monster movie, you've got a monster that is just totally unstoppable. Um, you know, there's by definition, there's nothing that humanity can do to kill these creatures. They're impossible to stop. You know, at best, humans might be able to distract a giant monster from its destructive path, or maybe divert it. You know, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the other hand, I, I feel like. Animals, by their very definition, are are just so closely linked to human beings and almost defined by the ability of a human being to hunt it, you know, or Mm. or or certainly to kill it. Right. Any animal that exists on the face of the planet, human beings have killed them for sport or for lust or for greed. yeah, Yeah. Take
0: that, Mother Nature.
1: Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and if you look at, you know, some of the most famous giant animal or giant insect movies, you know, like Them or uh, I guess you could consider King Kong to one extent or, you know, some of the Kong sequels like King Kong Lives, you know, it's really just a matter of time before the, the giant animal, the monster, is cornered by the military and just obliterated in a... In, mm. a, in a array of, uh, flamethrowers or machine gun fire or something like that. You know, like the end of then at the end of them, you know, they're just being like torched, I think. And, yes. and geez, like the, <laughs> uh, the brutal ending of King Kong lives where he's just like totally <laughs> obliterated by tanks <laughs> and, uh, 50 cal, you know, ammunition, yeah. just, just brutal. Um, so I, I, uh, anyway when i think of monster movies i i don't like the idea of just being set up to uh, to to mourn the uh, brutal destruction of uh, of the monster at at the mm. hands of uh, of of truly bloodthirsty humans you know
0: yeah i i i'm there with you i, I don't really care for just giant giant animal x uh I, I just think it lacks creativity personally yeah um so I, I I get it for some reasons. Like, I get why King Kong, right, Mm -hmm. is that way because probably technical limitations at the time. And then he's become such a household name that you just keep building from there. Whereas something like Godzilla, I mean, Godzilla is an easy one, but the Roderosaurus, even uh, from 20,000 Fathoms, is, I think, a pretty interesting. Monster, and again, it's not quite easy to kill, it's not a matter of just getting it in the right place, right? That's right, yep. There's a lot more to it than that. I mean, I I believe there's even a roller coaster involved. (laughs) 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 Um, so yeah, I I definitely uh agree with you there, uh, in regards to that. I mean, um, yeah, so uh,
1: so. When uh, when you invited me to participate in uh, in an episode, you know, reviewing Meg 2, uh, I took it a little bit as a kick in the junk. Uh, I, I knew that, uh, <laughs> that this would be a movie that maybe I wasn't immediately inclined to, but, you know, I just started trying to think about it and think about ways that I could approach it fairly. You know, one interesting thing about um, shark movies, you know, if you think about it from the other point of view, like the other thing yeah. that... So we can think of the Meg two as a giant monster movie and, right. uh, and debate that. And we can also look at it from the sort of like the history of shark movies, things like jaws or deep blue sea, um, or any, any other number of, of shark movies. Um, and you know, the horror to me, the horror of a shark movie like jaws is like the nightmare of being savagely eaten alive, you know, mm. um, of being totally helpless out of our element, you know, it, Out in the open water, stalked by a creature that is, you know, supremely attuned to hunt and kill in the water, you know, and just human beings being completely powerless to stop it. So, you know, from that from that point of view, we start to sort of see, you know, some similarities with Kaiju or giant monster movies where you have a sort of unstoppable, implacable foe. Um So that's kind of, that's sort of in the Meg's favor, but then like sort of pulling it back in the other direction to me, when you increase the size of a shark to the size of a Kaiju, basically to a size, Uh you know, like a Godzilla size, you you sort of remove that terror of being brutally mauled to death, you know, because, Uh because now the shark's mouth is, is so big, you know, it can swallow you like a, like a Spaghetti-O, you know, it doesn't even have to chomp down on you.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah, but does that mean now you get digested like you're in a sarlacc pit? Oh no, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that is, uh, is it more like a Pinocchio scenario.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, there's actually if you get if you get swallowed by the Meg, yeah, you end up on a whimsical adventure. Uh, not you don't suffer horrifying death. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely what happens
1: in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> you know, one other thing, one other thing I did to try to like put myself in the mindset of uh, trying to enjoy this movie and try to give it a fair shake is uh, I, I, I just try to see if I can associate it or imagine it existing in the same world as like Godzilla or mm-hmm. you know the the, the Toho uh, movie monsters. And um, so, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm a man of deep thought, as you well know, Um, you know, so uh, over the course of the week, I was meditating, you know, during my time of meditation early in the morning. And um, I was just asking myself, you know, John, which Toho movie monster do you think really stands the best chance out in the open water in a battle Mm. with the Meg, excluding Godzilla, of course, because Godzilla's king of the monsters, he's always going to win.
0: Yeah, um, the,
1: the, the. so I was given that some thought to try to, you know, frame this up in a positive way in my mind. Um uh, so I gave it some thought but but Alex I was kind of wondering uh what you thought about that or or if there is a, if there's a Toho monster that jumps to mind is like, you know, this this monster would have a pretty good chance
0: against the Meg. That's a really good question. Uh because, you know, Ghidorah, he's not he's not made for the water. Mm-mm. So we got we he's isolated, Angerus, He's he just kind of floats there like a turtle. <laughs> uh, I don't see him making it too long either. Uh you you see that's a bit, that's a bit of a cheat code. I won't use this one, but Mechagodzilla, I mean, he might get a little rusty in the salt water, mm-hmm. but but you might take them out before uh that happens. The other option is an is mm, for some reason, and I hate this movie, but for some reason I feel like Varan might be a good oh. candidate for an aquatic battle. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I feel that way, but I think he might be pretty adaptable to that situation. The other one would be Manda, but Manda's so long. I, uh, he's a thin, long target. <laughs> right? But he too might be long, to wrap too around. thin. Doesn't stand the chance. <laughs> he <laughs> gets snapped in half too easy, is that what it is? <laughs> Must be. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to go with, golly, I, don't, I didn't think I'd go with Varane, uh when you asked this, but you know what? That's what I'm going to go with. What about you? Yeah. Well, you know, I love the image of Mechagodzilla just
1: totally unleashing barrages of finger missiles and uh, <laughs> tummy lasers just in the middle of the ocean, just completely, you know, obliterating, you know, all the coral reef and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, whales and stuff, the collateral whale damage. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's tough. Cause yeah, I was trying to think of aquatic, uh, monsters too, like, uh, Evera, the sea monster, you know, but mm, that's just yeah, a, but that's,
0: he's just a that big, soft shell, man. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah. He's just going to be, he's going to be lunch for a mega, a giant, you know, shrimpy lobster guy. Um, yeah. I think, I think though, uh, as I was thinking of, you know, who's brutal enough to take on the Meg, you know, or, or who's brutal enough to take on that very grisly Apex Meg that shows up in Meg two. Um, I think the smog monster, uh, you
0: know, I, when you started talking about it, I was like smog monster, he just had to sit there and they die. Yeah, that would be, that would be pretty grisly. That, that would be, that would be the shark
1: suffering, be suffering a, a brutal, uh, eaten alive scenario you know that'd be
0: that's pretty tough (laughs) yeah i think i think you're right i think the smog monster is the is the option i mean he gets started in the ocean heck yeah um yeah man that makes that makes sense i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with you i'm gonna go smog monster i'm I'm pivoting (laughs) well that was my original idea by the way definitely not attaching my cart to yours (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, you know what? What do you figure the odds are for
0: Gabra? You know, what's the over under there? I'm I'm hoping for the Sarlacc pick digestion, <laughs> not necessarily the adventure, <laughs> not the whimsical adventure for him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he could go away as soon as possible, that'd be fine. <laughs> um. All right, John. Shall we get into the movie? Let's do it. All right. All right. So the sequel for the Meg to the trench felt like it was in production for a long time, boasting a mostly returning cast, a new director and three times the Megalodon action. Do you think the series learned from its past or is it destined not to last? Oh man. Uh, what a question. Uh, is it, is it possible that
1: both can be true uh, or both can be not true? (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure. You know what? I I feel like the Meg two probably did learn from its past. It just did not learn the lessons that maybe we wanted it to learn as, uh, as sort of like (laughs) traditional giant monster movie fans. Mm. Um, you know, the Meg was very successful worldwide, you know, it was a huge blockbuster, especially in China, um, you know, and it, it was, you know, produced with uh, a global international audience in mind and especially the Chinese market. Um, so is it destined to last uh, or not? It, you know, again, uh, from our point of view, you know, watching the Meg or the Meg Two, you know, depending uh-huh. on, on what our expectations might be, we might be like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a third one on the way. But uh, mm. from all uh, from all reports, the Meg Two again is doing very well globally. You know, um, it did all, it did all right in in the US, but uh, I think it's still really uh, chomping up those
0: box offices in China. Ooh, so, that's good. You know, maybe we will see a third one. Okay, yeah. I mean, they kind of set up a possible third one. I mean, they definitely they keep the problem around. <laughs> so I'm I, I'll be interested to see if that is. I don't feel like it's necessary, but it also <laughs> the way it ends. It's like, guys, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, problem, this problem's coming back. Um, <laughs> I just I don't yeah I do get the ending, but yeah. I I, I'm with you. It's a, This is a really weird one for me to be able to answer in terms of is it. I wouldn't mind a third one, but I also don't know if it's built the last. and I, I don't know if it learned its lessons here. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, this is a new director. And while I do think that there are a few learned mistakes of, from the previous movie that they maybe tried to correct it. I think it actually manages to repeat almost every mistake <laughs> from the first movie <laughs> in some way, which makes no sense to me. A completely different guy directed this movie, mm-hmm. and it's the same mistakes. It's a movie that's split in two, and it really just feels like it's two completely separate movies that are just tied together by Jason Statham <laughs> in a lot of ways. I, I That being said, though, I do think that every other part of this movie is an improvement on the last one, mm. so I'm I'm enjoying the movie more while still having similar feelings to the at that episode where I just kind of railed on the movie for being two halves. But I think the Meg: colon, The Trench manages to be more enjoyable overall, even if it is like a repeat mm. of the last movie in a lot of ways. Mm yeah
1: yeah as i sat down to watch it as i sort sort of already indicated um i found myself kind of uh predisposed to maybe not enjoy it as, as much as i would have liked um although mm-hmm. I, although i really did enjoy the meg the first one um and um, and as i thought about it i just kept trying to think of ways to approach uh, the Meg two coal in the trench in a way where I could give it a fair shake, like looking for a way in um, and not be dismissive of it as like a big, dumb monster movie, you know, so it doesn't really matter whether it's good or not. Um, and then, you know, I also thought of, you know, some giant monster movie fans might dismiss it out of hand, you know, cause it isn't, it isn't a Japanese giant monster. And, you know, other people might dismiss it out of hand because of the involvement of Chinese co-producers. Um, mm. So as I was thinking about it, I was looking for a way and I was looking for a way to connect it to the sort of tapestry of the movie monsters and monster movies that I love. And um, as I started thinking about it, I thought, well, you know, this movie, uh, Meg two, it, it sort of belongs to a long series, a progression of films that has sort of been woven through this current renaissance of, Kaiju and giant monster movies that we're in, you know, stretching back to uh, to Pacific Rim. Um, you know, si- basically since Pacific Rim, uh, since Legendary started producing a lot of monster movies, um, there's been a lot of Chinese funding and Chinese co-production and Chinese involvement in these giant monster movies. So, I mean, we've got like the Great Wall, uh, certainly Pacific Rim Two, the Meg, the Meg Two. Um, Definitely uh, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Godzilla vs Kong. So the Meg Two, in although in isolation, you know, some some fans might be ready to dismiss it as you know it's a the shark movie doesn't really belong, but it really does belong to the series of these kaiju renaissance movies that we're seeing, you know, thanks to Legendary Pictures. Um, and I mean, like, you know, once we have. A, a few years distance from these movies, you know, and we're not just, you know, inspecting them and, and expecting so much from them. I mean, we'll look Mm -hmm. back at a movie like the great wall and, and just be amazed that this movie uh, exists. Um, I I mean, the, the cast of the great wall is insane. Uh, That's the Matt Damon movie, right? Well, yes, it's got Matt Damon, Willem Dafoe, Pedro Pascal, it's got Andy Lau, who's perhaps, you know, the biggest star, uh, in Asia and, uh, Tian Jing. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it, I mean, just imagine describing that cast to anybody, you know, like mm. not no movie, movie title, notwithstanding, you know, if you tell someone, Hey, Matt Damon, Pedro Pascal and Willem Dafoe are in a movie, you want to see it? They're going to say, heck yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think once we have some distance on these, we're going to look back and uh, just sort of be astonished at, at what we actually got, including films like The Meg and The Meg 2. And, and, mm. and then the more I thought about that, so like The Meg 2 is part of this current kaiju renaissance. It really is. And then as I started thinking about these current films, I, I was also thinking of like, how, how do these films and The Meg 2, how do they fit into sort of the tapestry of the history the heritage of giant monster movies and kaiju movies and you know i'm thinking about uh you know Jason Statham and and the uh, the chinese star in this uh Jing Wu and you know these two guys they reminded me right away of you know Akira Takarada and Nick Adams now do oh. do they have <laughs> do they have the same you know charisma as Akira Takarada and Nick Adams Well, that's, that's debatable, but, but, you know, that, that drew it to my mind, another series of international co-productions, including such great, I mean, such, such films that are now regarded as classic as monster zero or invasion of Astro monster King Kong escapes Mm. war, the gargantuas, Frankenstein conquers the world latitude zero, all these Toho classics. And then some other ones like, uh, the green slime, you know, with Linda Miller, she's in that too. And, um, You know, when those movies came out, when King Kong Escapes came out, you know, giant monster movie fans, well, the sort of old guard, they hated it. You know, they thought King Kong Escapes sucked because there was no stop motion animation. It wasn't serious. You know, it it, it wasn't, you know, you know, many of this of the sort of uh, uh, dismissive uh, claims that that might be made against a movie like the Meg 2 you know, those are
0: the same With CG. Yeah. I mean, it's the same argument as, as CGI versus practical effects, right? Uh, yeah, abs-
1: absolutely. Yeah. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. What, wh- uh, what a great analogy. And, uh, and you know, those movies were also full of, of tropes and you could call them either rip offs or references to current trends in movies. You know, King Kong escapes is a clear, you uh, could say reference or ripoff or homage to the James Bond spy movie uh, trend of the sixties. You know, you've got, mm-hmm. you've got, uh, I think Miss Piranha is her name. You know, she's like a double agent. There's a spy angle going on and, um, and Dr. Who is, you know, very much in the same mold. as like a Dr. No or some of the crazy Bond villains, you know? So um, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I, I kind of got off on a, on a ramble here, but, uh, you know, <laughs> a, as, I, as I started thinking more about, you know, the Meg 2 and, uh, you know, does it belong in, in a discussion about giant monster movies, I think it absolutely does. It's clearly part of the current kaiju renaissance, and, you know, it belongs to this legacy of international co-productions for, mm. for, for making monster movies, um, and when I started thinking about it like that, I really began to settle in and find myself able to enjoy this movie. Um, You know, because when I started thinking about it through the lens of like a King Kong escapes or a latitude zero, I started thinking like, okay, well, like, all right. Like maybe it's a bit of a stretch to compare Jason Statham and Jing Wu to Nick Adams and his tier at Takarata, But I mean, if you think about like Russ Tamblin in War of the Gargantuas, you know that he wasn't really thrilling in that role. But you know, right. it's still a good movie. So, what other similarities? oh <laughs> Well, I, 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 well, <laughs> we'll, so we'll save that war for uh, uh, maybe NBN Plus or something like that. But there you go. But I, you know, I found a lot of other stuff that was like, hey, you know, this this reminds me of other monster movies that I love. Like, um, speaking of: Cole in the trench. You know, when when our heroes and explorers are finally on the, you know the seabed when they're on the, uh, the bottom of the Mariana trench, they're, mm-hmm. they're walking through this valley of like exotic and, you know, phosphorescent, uh, flora and fauna. And they've got these big, you know, almost like space suits or radiation suit looking things on. Yeah. And it reminded me it, right away. It took me back to the original Mothra, you know, when the explorers are wearing their radiation suits and they're, um, you know, going through the irradiated jungle and, you know, being attacked by giant plants and, and strange things. Um, and I thought, yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, the Meg two is sort of cut from the same cloth as, uh, as some of these other movies that we love.
0: Oh, okay. So it's sort of coming around on it a little bit. Yeah. Starting to, starting to, <laughs> well, so, well, I'll wear, I'll wear you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I. And kind of the the sequence that you're mentioning is where some of my love for this movie begins. And the weird thing here though, is that I feel like I'm repeating myself from the Meg and my commentary on that, because Hmm. my pros here are almost all the same when they're in the trench and they're navigating it, right. They've wrecked both their ships. They got the limited oxygen, you know, I love these types of moments where there's like <clears throat> that ticking time bomb in the back and they're also being hunted. Hmm. okay yes, it mm-hmm. got me. <clears throat> but I I think that if I had to pick a, a movie out of the two movies that are in this one again, I would pick this first half again. Oh. <laughs> we're in the trench. I just love it. Yes, is it not it's not as good as underwater? the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> but cause it does have a lot of those same elements, but I think that they really execute the sequence pretty well. I think it's appropriately tense. It's just dark enough and interesting enough of a world under there to really keep my attention. And then these ji- three Megalodons hunting you is pretty thrilling. And that last dash to oh, the yeah. underwater tanker, is pretty exciting, uh, and we really ki- we really kill a lot of characters pretty quickly uh, in the sequence, especially uh, Curtis with the implosion helmet oh, right yeah. the last second. Yeah, oh, ho, 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 ho. that was brutal. That that was worse than the one in underwater because it was right before she's safe mm-hmm. instead of right just starting the mission. Right, uh, I was glad to see these moments because a lot of times. The Meg One played things really safe. It was like it, the movie was scared of blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whereas we get some, it's not grotesque or anything like that this time around, but it does have some more horror moments in it. And I, I appreciate that. Like when it's swimming at the beach, we do see blo- a blood trail behind it where it's eating the people. Mm. Which I really appreciate a shark movie with some blood in it <laughs> this time. <laughs> Uh, and then you get all these moments at the bottom of the sea and then they get that double cross that feels pretty obvious, which is okay. Yeah, that mo- This movie isn't aiming for a plot twist and this is a, a character that we are particularly attached to that is doing the double cross. And then we get moments like Jason Statham swimming at the bottom of the trench with no suit. <laughs> which They convinced me that he could totally really do this and I haven't even bothered to look it up because I'm like, you know what? I believe Jason uh, Statham I could believe swim at the yep. bottom <laughs> of the Maricopa Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> they say it, yeah. They say it right in there. It's not about the pressure; it's about the water. So you know, yeah. I was like, that's interesting. I, you know, what? I, I should have looked it up before we did this episode. I couldn't bring myself to do it <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't think I want to dispel that reality for me. Let's let um, the life life possible. Faith. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> So I, I really like all of these moments in that sequence, and then how they get out of it, and of course, then the back end of the film, we have a lot more campy elements going on here, just like the previous movie. Mm-hmm. We kind of load the back half with the campy moments, but I actually think they handle the those tonal shifts better in this film, mm-hmm. and I think it handles its characters about the same, but. There's just a lot more antics going on, like the evolution of DJ. His moments in this film were such a nice surprise. <laughs> like, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, I, I could. I could. He was such a welcome uh, re edition to the series because I, his total his evolution is just it's so goofy and awesome. And and it's funny that he can back it up somewhat, Mm -hmm. right? right. Like he's not great, but he can't. He's he's definitely been training uh, in between the last two movies. So that, and then our final sequence, I don't think actually lines up to be as good as the original Meg, Mm -hmm. like in the 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 ship versus Meg fight. Mm -hmm. I I think we eliminate the Megs actually too quickly once the time comes. Um, That and. But other than that, I mean, I really kind of enjoyed this movie. I, I do have some nitpicks that I'll probably get to later. But uh, I want to hear a little more from you, John. Sure. Yeah, well,
1: I I am picking up all the stuff that you're putting down. Um, the references to Underwater, uh, the references to, to DJ becoming like this action hero. Um, you know, as I was watching The Meg, and I mean this analogy in the most respectful way possible. <laughs> I just kept thinking Meg to Cole in the Trench is like a Chinese buffet. You know, it's like, oh. it's like, it's like waking up Saturday morning. Right. And you're, and you're hungry, right? You're so hungry, but, but you don't, you don't cook scrambled eggs. You don't eat captain crunch. You look at the clock and you say, you know what? I'm going to wait until ten fifty nine, and I'm going to roll up to the Chinese buffet and I'm going to stroll through those doors at 11 a.m. sharp, and I'm going to see the golden light sparkling all over mounds of General So's chicken and and <laughs> lo mein and yeah. fried rice and 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 everything that you want at a Chinese buffet. But then also mm-hmm. you you look to the right and you see, oh yeah, they also have chicken strips and French fries, and then they also have a I guess it's pizza. Sure. Am I going to eat it? I don't know, but I'm kind of glad it's here. And they have something that looks like sushi and they have some delicious looking, you know, desserts as well. They've got Mm. soft serve ice cream. Now I didn't come here for any of that stuff, but I'm glad it's here, you know? And, (laughs) and as I'm watching the Meg 2 I'm like, well, I kind of came here for a giant shark movie, but I'm really glad that there are like half a dozen Jurassic park references. And, there's also like a pretty amusing buddy cop movie happening. Yes. And, and there's also like uh, a thriller happening. And there's also like a, a Jason Statham eco warrior action movie happening. Like uh, <laughs> it, it was great. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you look to the right and what you see there, uh, you know, uh, staying warm at the bottom of the sea references to, you know, underwater, Or, um, you know, any number of, you know, uh, sea monster type movies, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all there. It's all there. Now, I mean, you can ask the question, Hey, if I'm eating low main and garlic bread and general so's chicken and those little cakes, you know, am I going to have a stomachache at the end of this? You know, Mm. like, well, maybe, Maybe.
0: but (laughs) did I have a good time eating it while I was there? Well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Should I do it every Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. I love I love this analogy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man. But it definitely yeah, I, you know, it brings us it brings us to the precipice of talking about maybe some of the things that that didn't quite work in the Meg, you know. So uh, yeah,
0: what what were some of the things that really didn't work for you? Well, I'll tell you what. Um,
1: when when I go into a monster movie, and maybe it's not fair to judge every monster movie like this, mm-hmm. but um, to me, when I'm watching a monster movie, I see the monsters as characters. So mm. I am looking for you know any little scrap that the screenwriters are going to throw to us or the cinematographers to indicate some character for the monsters or some motivation for the monsters. Right. So if you think about the best monster movies, you think about King Kong, right? Like, no, they didn't write a lot of drama for him, except maybe, you know, his death scene, but the way that O'Brien animated him, you know, there's character in the way that he fights creatures, the way that he plays with the T-Rex's jaw after he defeats him, you know, the the way that he interacts with Fay Um, and uh, and in godzilla movies you know like uh in almost every godzilla movie d- despite the fact that we you know we like to think of godzilla as an unstoppable force of nature or you know a, an analogy for the horrors of uh, uh nuclear weapons in almost every godzilla movie he has some sort of tick or you know action that gives him character right whether it's his his insane ferocity in king kong versus godzilla where he's sort of gleefully uh clapping and mocking kong or um <laughs> you, you know the, the the way that he uh he communicates with his pal Anguirus in godzilla versus gigan or, or any number of Showa movies you know destroy all monsters you know godzilla's got personality and uh and we and we kind of know what he wants or how he's going to behave my biggest criticism of Meg two is that, you know, there's no motivation for these monsters and, Mm. and maybe, you know, I I could see the counter argument. Well, they're sharks, you know, they're killing machines. And I mean, maybe that's true too, but they do not act like wild animals in this movie. Right? Like if I, if I walk into a national park and there's a bear there now, I might be attacked by that bear, but that bear might just walk by me, you know? Um, The the sharks in this movie, they're, I I, I don't know how to describe them. On the one hand, they're kind of like, they're like robots or computers that are just, that are just programmed for very strict stimulus response. You know, if, (laughs) if there is a living thing near me, I'm going to, I'm going to eat it. Right. They they behave like a cookie monster on cocaine, you know, like cookie, eat cookie, you know, like (laughs) rather than like a shark. And like, you know, I, I never want to be in the water with a shark, but there's not like a hundred percent chance that a great white's going to eat me. If I'm in the water with it, it might swim by me, you know? Um, so these, these monsters, these sharks in particular, you know, they don't seem to have a rhyme or reason other than the sort of bare minimum like rules of, of, uh, what attracts these monsters that they lay out. Like we know they're attracted Mm. to light. And other than that, like if you're moving, they're going to eat you. Um, I feel like that's a really big missed opportunity because there are there are a few scenes in this movie where you see like the three Megs swimming together in a formation, and when right. I saw that, I was like, "Oh man!" Like it looks like these sharks are on a mission, you know? Like, um, like yeah. they have a purpose, and I want to know what that purpose is. And sort of like all the puzzle pieces were there, right? Because there's the giant octopus or the Kraken—I I don't know yeah. how it's described, but you know, but we also don't really know anything about the Kraken. They're not even really set up as like, you know, ancient rivals or anything, but the pieces were all there, right? You had, uh, you had the illegal mining operation on the bottom of the sea. You had, the the illegal dumping of radioactive waste at the beginning of the movie. You know, those two things are like classic monster movie, you know, the hubris of men, the greed of men unleashing a terror, you know, in this case it could have been the Kraken. Right. And, um, and they they were laying these these seeds through the movie too, like hey, um, the the sort of domesticated Meg, Hai Chi, you know, she's been acting really strange recently, and you know, then you you find these other you know the sort of apex Meg and the beta beta Meg at the bottom of the sea, and they're yes. all sort of like hey, they're it's like they're being called, you know, all the pieces were there, like yeah, maybe they were stirred to action because this giant octopus had been uh, had been released, but instead they just you know they're like uh, they're like cocaine bear underwater, cocaine shark. You know, uh, they're just if something <laughs> if something moves, oh man, they're they're on it. You know, yeah, uh, they're they're mindless they're mindless killing machines in the worst possible way. I would say,
0: mm, yeah, yeah. I, I think you hit on something there that I totally agree with. I I was really disappointed that the trained shark thing didn't really pay off much at yeah. oh, all yeah. really like it, it it really had no purpose at the end of the day like does he get it to not attack him in the water at the end yes but did we really build up to that with right. that like was the build-up worth that point in the story uh seems weird to me uh, and i don't like that the that they needed to be more merciless i think Mm-hmm. Oh like almost playful with their food. If you want to make them really evil Mm -hmm. Um, because it's like you said, it it is kind of like they're on a mission, but there is no mission except to cause carnage on the screen. (laughs) There's no personality to them. And it it does kind of uh, take a little bit out of the interest of them for me. Um, I, I was really hoping for that human shark team up, where yeah. Haichi would would team up with the humans to take out the other two or something like that. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Or even the opposite, like it. They think it's going to help them, and then it turns on them, right? Yeah, uh, that would have been cool. But instead, we just kind of opt out of doing either one of those options, which is pretty lame. It's kind of a lame a half measure. We're just gonna let Haichi just go into the ocean have babies and then we're going to have this problem again in like 2 years. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, what a what yeah. a, like what a what a lame payoff, right? They they're sort of you know, oh, she's acting so strange. Oh, look, there's Meg. It's like they're being called by some force and and they they're just like, "Oh, yes, the ancient mating ritual." It's like,
0: <laughs> "All all right." <laughs> right. So right. A, that's and fun. then, and then they end that ritual with going to destroy a nice luxury beach on China. <laughs> yeah, like it's it, it's it's part
1: of you know the uh, the millennium-old the thermo- meg mating ritual.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like uh, you know everybody people go to Cancun for crazy parties. <laughs> well, megalodons when they once they emerge from the thermal cline, <laughs> they gotta go to China. <laughs> i don't know what that's what that's about but that you know the issues here also kind of bleed into my other problem with this series in general Mm. is that the series kills its villains way too early Mm. they have they they have um what's her name uh they have jess who turns on them and then she just gets eaten by a meg while on a phone call uh and then we get rain wilson in the previous movie he gets eaten after lying to the team about what he's done but there's so much more opportunity for like that more megalomaniac type of behavior yeah. where you could see their greed really like, like like it's almost like a cartoonish level our movie already does is going to cartoonish levels let's have our villains go there too but instead we get someone like montez who is fine but frankly, he's not threatening really because you see him crying about his girlfriend and you see him upset about it for quite some time. <laughs> he, 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 instead of like being this stone cold killer, like for hire, he just comes off kind of like a whiny <laughs> baby for me. So he was never s- intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the, the, the series as a whole has kind of failed on the villain front. Um, and then I think the last thing for me in regards to my disappointments of this film is I don't. All right. so, So the elephant in the room in this movie is that Suyin is not in it. Right. She was one of the big two or three main characters in the last film. Right. The love interest. Right. And her daughter's a big part of the story. Her dad was a big part of the story. Well, they killed her off screen. Everybody. Hmm. And they give no explanation. Hmm. Like, am, I, am I wrong, John? Did they mention anything? Like, the only thing I thought I maybe, that maybe was hinted to, was that she maybe died in the trench yeah, or something.
1: I I uh, I watched the movie twice, and um, I couldn't tell you what happened to her. I just know that they, they just sort of wrote her out of the... Yeah,
0: but they kept her died. daughter around, which is great, yeah. because of the relationship between... Uh, Jason Statham's character and her daughter is really good. Hmm. Uh, I like the way they play off each other, just like in the previous movie. Mm -hmm. I think they do really well. Um, But I I just, it was a weird, I feel like they almost should have just done like the James Bond type of thing in regards to this character and her relationships Mm -hmm. and just phased out the daughter and her. And not brought her brother, even though I like the brother character. Yeah. He could have been the same character without being that person's brother. <laughs> but but that's okay. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a big hang up, but it is something like as someone who saw the first film, I'm like thinking a lot, like, well, what happened to her? Well, what would happen to her? And then just yeah. never gets answered. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I definitely feel the it, same way. Yeah. They, they, uh, I mean, obviously I've been focusing a lot on the monsters, but I mean, it's, it's clear there was a lot lacking in terms of developing the characters, but I mean, like you've kind of already alluded to the fact that this, this movie is basically at least two movies smash into one. You've got like the, uh, uh the journey to the trench and the action, you know, at the, at the bottom of the Mariana trench, and then, you know, all the carnage and, the uh you know mercenary battles on uh, on Fun Island but i mean you could have easily you know probably cut out half the cast and 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 maybe you know trim this down to 90 minutes or 100 minutes and had a lot mm-hmm. tighter movie or you know been able to focus on more characters i mean even with what they have like you're saying like montez they could have developed him more i mean he could have been on that ship at the beginning of the movie when, mm. you know and then that could have been like they could have at least established like hey montez he's a, he's a real villain you know he they could have established him there as like a real threat to jason statham and then we would be oh wait now he's now he's at the bottom of the sea jason statham better better watch out because his old, his old <laughs> rival's back for the first 10 minutes of the movie but right? uh,
0: it, you know say la vie yeah say la vie yeah yeah a little bit of a <laughs> there's a few things that could have <laughs> reworked in here but that's okay but John, anything else you want to say about the movie before uh, talk about MVM Plus? No, man. No, I think we're good. Go All on. right. So I haven't told you what we're doing for MVM Plus. So oh uh, so uh, come on to the next MVM Plus episode where I'm going to be talking with John this week um, about genres that I have not talked to him about before. And we're going to go over things like the action genre. And I'm and i gonna I'm gonna dial in John on what your movie tastes are outside of giant monster films because I don't know what you enjoy and I think people might enjoy hearing myself talk about the things I enjoy that are not uh, monster movies. I mean I know everybody knows I like everything, but. Oh, okay. I think it, it, it'd be fun to grill you about that, and also we got to talk about War of the Gargantulas <laughs> and see what is going on here. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I hope
1: uh, I hope we'll have a little bit of time to talk about uh, you know some of the renovation work you've been doing on the bargain basement of the bargain basement of Monster Podcasting Airways as well. Um, you know, uh, it seems like uh, you know every time I drop by, you've you've spruced up uh, the dim dank bargain base yeah. i mean if i'm not mistaken over there in the corner is uh is that an intex pure spa plus brand inflatable hot tub that you put in down here
0: yeah or, uh, it is it is. got the hot tub if you notice right above it on the windowsill i have a spider that sits there and collects the ants that crawl through the window all right. so i don't have to worry about it. yeah
1: well you know i mean yeah after a long hard day of uh monsters versus men and men versus monsters. I mean, you got to relax in a hot tub. And plus, you know, having a, having a hot tub down here in the bargain basement, that's going to just add a lot of extra dankness, you know, the moisture level. So I think <laughs> on the whole, it'll just really help spooky the place up. It's going to be good.
0: It is, Yeah, it's definitely dank. All right, John. Uh, so for our are uh, staple awards mm. for your c- compelling character award? Who do you have?
1: All right. For compelling character, I've got to give it to Paige Kennedy as DJ, the, the total side character turned action hero. <laughs> this, as you mentioned, like one of the just the most pleasant surprises in the movie, um, you know, just when you're about to roll your eyes at some, you know, just totally unearned, cheesy thing that the movie's going to do. No, no, no. Meg 2, Cole in the Trench, stares the sequel tropes of, you know, si- you know, side character turned action hero right in the eye and totally wins this staring contest. Uh, you know, they set up a DJ, you know, who was in the first movie as just a regular, like, computer guy or whatever. Right. And, you know, he witnessed and lived through the insanity of the Meg, right? Mm-hmm. And the Meg 2 asks, okay, like, If you actually experienced the Meg, uh, you know, all two hours of it or whatever, like, what would your natural reaction be? And they said, you know what DJ's natural reaction would be? It would be to train like a Navy SEAL, except just as one guy, you know, doing the best he can to make sure that if anything this crazy ever happened again, he would be ready for it. And the results are ridiculous and hilarious you know how fully realized he you know he's i'm sure he's got like his uh uh you know FBI uh volunteer deputy badge at home and he's gone through oh, gun yeah. training and he knows how to do a barrel roll and uh, and he's watched every episode of macgyver and uh and and boy does it really pay off uh so yeah a compelling character for me is definitely dj the action hero yeah
0: <laughs> that turn was so awesome for him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I had I think I selected him for the Meg 1 as well, Cliff. This oh, yeah. is uh Jonas's best friend. He wasn't in this as much as I was hoping he would be, but I was glad to see him and again, it, 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 all of his moments with Jonas really work uh in the film. He's it, just such a great the the actor that plays him. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh Cliff Curtis. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, he plays Mac. His, his real name is Cliff. But my, uh, Cliff, Cliff Curtis is such a great actor for Mac. And again, I, I think he does a really great job in a movie that pr- pr- probably doesn't deserve him. <laughs> 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 uh, what about your most memorable line award, John?
1: All right. <clears throat> well, most memorable line is, I mean, how can I resist? It's going to go to Jason Statham. Perhaps with an eye towards any make two haters out there. There's a line where he says, there's a million scumbags in this world. It's hard to keep track of them all.
0: Uh, was he saying this to you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, I mean, maybe. He was definitely saying it to Montez, but uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe he was directing it at me too.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, had, I think I had also a, I definitely had a, a Statham line as well. Jonas says, See you later, chum. <laughs> and I, think, I believe that's right after he kicks. I think it was. I'm trying to remember. Correct me. Is that when he kicks Montez off of the dock? Yes. And the Meg eats him. Absolutely. Says, See you later, chum. Oh, it's such a good line. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. what <laughs> what an awesome moment. Um. All right, John. Uh, what about your can't believe that acting award? All right. So can't believe that acting.
1: You know, uh, the Meg 2 really does fit the mold of so many classic monster movies, including just being packed with very workmanlike performances, right? You've got, you have got uh, you know, Jason Statham, who is arguably an A-tier actor, but is probably just like the very top of the B-tier, you know, doing his best Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and a bunch of other actors who, you know, have, you know, you know, they work every day for their paychecks. You know, they're doing TV. They're doing, you know, whatever movie work they can find. So, you know, as I was thinking, can't. Uh, you know, who 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 do I find most impressive in this movie? I've got to give Can't Believe That Acting Award to Jing Wu as Jumin Zhang, the, uh, the sort of Chinese lead. He's kind of like the Tony Stark of the movie. Uh. Now, um, yeah, it's sure. Sure. Like, I, I guess his lines... You could say sometimes are a little stilted. um, But I really attribute that as much to the script and the writing as, you know, it's it's not necessarily Jing Wu's fault. What we have here, though, is we've got a 49-year-old action star of Chinese cinema who's managed to learn enough English to star in a global summer blockbuster. And honestly, that's pretty impressive. You know, if you compare Mm. him to you know let's let's look at the flip side you know when we think bing of,
0: bing lee first off yeah from last movie yeah he's way better than she
1: <laughs> yeah and i mean or or i mean think about think about the um the sort of international buddies that we know from from other monster movies right nick adams russ tamblin you know now nick adams is a great actor russ tamblin maybe less so but, you know, they couldn't be bothered to learn enough Japanese to deliver their lines, even phonetically. You know, they just filmed their lines in English and got dubbed over. You know, uh, Jing Wu, he put in the work and, um, and you know, delivered his lines in English pretty well. And I have to say, you know, some of his bits were actually genuinely funny. Like, uh, yes. I, I laughed out loud when, although, granted, this was in, you know, he was delivering his lines in Chinese, but... You know, when, when he plays, uh, when they're trying to distract the mercenaries on, on Mana 1 and he just sort of hops out in front of them wearing like a, a construction worker outfit and he starts, you know, blathering away at them in Chinese saying, I'm speaking in Chinese. You probably don't understand Chinese, but that's OK. You know, my my uh, <laughs> pal sneaking up behind you. I, I mean, I thought that was great. So uh, I, I got to give can't believe that acting to Jing Wu.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's so good. He, he's so much better in this than uh, Bing Bing <laughs> especially. <laughs> um, how about you? Yeah, for me, I've got uh, Melisanti Mahut as, uh, I think she was, how do they even say it in the movie? Rigas? Rigas? Yeah, Rigas. Rigas. Absolutely. I, I thought she was cool, and also she had like that uh, genuine acting moment in the Uh, while they're in the trench and she's got the gun pointed at statham Mm -hmm. like she she acted way out of (laughs) what this movie required (laughs) in that moment like like, we didn't need that much emotion from you (laughs) because no one else is presenting it in this movie but (laughs) she did she did a good job and i thought i thought she was a nice uh new addition to the to the meg family um I hope she's not, if there is a third one, I hope she's not replaced because we had a few characters replaced from the first one Mm -hmm. that I didn't miss, but I hope we, she's one of the ones that stick around like DJ does.
1: Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed her too. I think of, of, uh, you know, nearly all the actors in this, in this film, she gives one of the most solid performances and, uh, and she's definitely giving off like private Vasquez vibes, you know, from aliens. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed his yeah.
0: performance as well, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and then uh, let's do the oh, that's a good shot award. I'll, I'll go first. Sure. Um, I had I originally had the three hundred kick where he kicks uh, Montez off into the shark's mouth. It's not a good shot, but it's fun. But really, I think when I when I think back on the movie and my favorite parts of the movie, I think about that long that that shot from really far away of them running towards the the ship um underwater with the megs oh, looming yes. uh, behind them yes. it, it and it's just really dark it's orange uh nearby where, where it's lit up it, that that image sticks in my mind it's it, it's a it, that's like a pretty tense moment and that really sold that whole sequence to me yeah man yeah definitely what about you, John?
1: Um, all right. So I've got to go with there is just a beautiful shot of Jason Statham mid-air. <laughs> riding atop a massive wave on his jet ski. He is ringed in light, haloed like a saint, like St. George the Dragon Slayer. And he has his explosive <laughs> harpoon raised as he races toward victory or certain death in his one-on-one duel against the beta megalodon, what a shot! You could make a stained glass picture of that and hang it in a cathedral. It just uh, just beautiful and totally sums up, you know, what makes this movie great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> hang it in a cathedral. You heard it from Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what about your unique awards? John, what do you got here? Uh, (laughs) All right. So, unique award.
1: um, I'm hard-pressed not to give it to Jason Statham. uh, And my unique award is most likely to exterminate an endangered species. It goes to Jason Statham (laughs) as Jonas Taylor for brutally murdering every single previously thought extinct animal that crosses his path.
0: Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know,
1: no matter how valuable you may be to science or how rare you may be, how beautiful you may be to nature, Jason Statham is going to murder you.
0: <laughs> I like that earlier you described him as eco warrior, but then now you also pointed out that he kills literally everything. <laughs> he's a complicated man, you know. Yeah, he's he's got layers. <laughs> he's got layers. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And how about um, how about your unique award, Alex? Yeah, mine's the best sibling award. Let's oh. let's just say this: mm. it may have been a hang up, but the be- the the worst sibling died. Right mm. now that we've mm. yeah. <laughs> now, that, now that we've got Jing Wu, uh, sorry, Zhu Ming's uh, Chang. Now that we've got him, I'm never looking back. <laughs> like I want to know how you died, sister of his. But if we don't learn, I'm not going to sweat it. As long as he sticks around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Him and his cool exosuits and his love shark. Heck yeah. Um I, I, I I'm thankful for <laughs> for the change, quite honestly. Um but uh yeah, you know, I, I had another award that I had in my back pocket, yeah, which is this science is trash award. <laughs> what how how are these amphibious dinosaurs living in the trench, how is that happening? They only put them there because they were at the beginning of the movie. They were like, "Yeah, we've got these CGI assets, of this dinosaur. <laughs> we're gonna put them in the trench." They're like, "But don't they, they need air to breathe? Don't worry about it. They can hold They've their breath for a very long time." Yeah, but they don't. But they, then the person's like, "But they don't have gills. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> they just they live here." And then now they're going to be up there, and it's fine. It's don't worry about it. it's. Good. We're going to have some Jurassic Park references out of it, and you're going to love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, beautiful!
0: <laughs> All right, John, I want to hear your your final thoughts, <clears throat> and I guess your tiered rating. This is a your first episode, but I guess tier it out of Megan Meg One.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean. Clearly, I confessed at the top of the show that I do not generally like giant animal monster movies, you know, because nearly all of them have the same basic premise. There is a giant animal, it's monstrous, and it will be killed by humans. Mm -hmm. But the Meg, and really Meg 2, Cole in the Trench, take this to an incredibly enjoyable extreme. The contest here, you know really is not a one-sided hunt, you know, where man is, uh, uh, you know, dogging a a whale, you know, with a flotilla of harpoon-festooned ships. You know, instead, what we have is a duel in the most classical sense of Chivalric Knights or Honorable Samurai or totally insane anime characters. We've got a one on one duel where each Meg tests its skill and its speed and its strength against that of Jason Statham. And it's truly marvelous. Now, is that enough to sustain the whole one hundred and sixteen minute runtime of Meg 2 Cole in the trench? Well, no. But in the meantime, you know, we've got our mozzarella sticks at the Chinese buffet. We've got Mm -hmm. mercenaries versus dinosaurs. We've got a grab bag of Jason Statham action pieces. We've got, you know, enough buddy cop bits to fill an economy-sized popcorn bucket. You know, if you throw in a few sort of Showa monster movie era tropes like humanity working together to explore the unknown and advance human progress, and... Uh, you know a questionable eco message I'm in
0: I'm all in gamma tier all right I like it John and I think I'm right there with you this is a gamma tier for me and it's uh it's for really all the reasons you list I love the trench sequence I have a lot of fun with the back end I do still feel like this is a move, two movies cobbled together make yes. one <laughs> um but then we also we, we do have these other sequences that I found really enjoyable, the DJ sequences of him be, mm-hmm. being way too adapted uh, to his new situations. Um, and I also just really like our um, our new main character of uh Juming. I think he's really cool, and he adds a lot to the to the movie. I it's really the things that hurt for me is. The, the the villains kind of suck. The monsters are they're fun. I I like that they have blood, but they're they're just sharks. <laughs> There's no personality to them. That's right. I wish the 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 giant squid had had more to do. There may have been more buildup, like you said. I think you mentioned like some sort of rivalry or mm-hmm. or just just to have it coming and maybe maybe it feel like it can kill these sharks. No problem. Mm-hmm. And that though, like maybe the humans and the sharks have to team up to take, I don't know. Just give me something a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, than the last movie, but that's okay. I, this is a solid gamma tier movie. I really enjoyed it. I think for me, it is better than the first one in almost every way, mm. except for the fact that it's, just that it's just an improvement of all the exact same things from the last movie Mm -hmm. uh without adding a whole lot new yeah except for dj super spy (laughs) 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 oh but yeah that's it for me uh next week john we don't have a movie (laughs) oh no (laughs) did did it get swallowed by three megs yeah, it got swallowed by three mags. And it's still in its fantastical journey for me figuring out what the next movie is. Mm. Um, but I hope when you all find out what is the next movie that you all like that it's groovy. And maybe it'll have Scooby. <laughs> it won't have Scooby. But maybe it will.
1: Uh, oh, boy.
0: Uh. <laughs> I tried. You don't have to do it.
1: <laughs> no, you know what? I'm here. I'm in the bargain basement, so live or die. I might end up on the rusty guillotine over there, but uh, there you go. Next week's movie still remains a mystery. Will there be uh, another host or will they um,
0: fall <laughs> down <laughs> the stairs causing a catastrophe? <laughs> there you go yep flawless <laughs> victory that's how we do it on nba <laughs> it's always it always goes according to plan uh, <laughs> all right as always hey actually before i, I get into the normal spiel john i want to thank you so much for joining me today uh it's been great and you are a great podcast host so thank you for joining
1: alex uh, thank you so much for the invitation uh Circumstances notwithstanding, I I know uh, Eric is still missing in action. Nobody knows Mm -hmm. where he is. Has he been uh, abducted by a Dracula? Has Mm -hmm. he been uh, swept up by a mummy? Nobody knows. Uh, Maybe, you know, dear listener, if you want to find out, you could always subscribe to Patreon for a mere two dollars a month to get all the inside scoop, oh. and uh, and 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 follow Eric on his—I uh, don't know whether it's a side quest or uh, just some know.
0: dastardly danger. You know, uh, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, is Eric alive or dead? Nobody has said. <laughs> 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 oh man! All right, all right. So as always, thanks for listening to Monsters First Man leave us feedback on iTunes or your podcast listening service of your choice or at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com and I'll read your reviews or comments on the show. You can also follow us or message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. Become a bargain base mine at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. If you can't join it this time, a review or share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette, executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, Michael Herndon, and Christopher Clavero. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which formed by Cell Black B, <laughs> Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't. Let your adopted
1: megalodon join a wild sex party at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. (laughs)
0: Oh, my God. And and try to stay alive. Mafia, wake wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you.
1: That's right. Yeah. There's actually, if you get, if you get swallowed by the Meg, yeah, you end up on a whimsical adventure. Uh, not, you don't suffer horrifying death.